0: Welcome to Enhanced Living. I'm your host, Adam Krueger. Enhanced Living is all about becoming the best version of ourselves and growing to be exactly who we were meant to become. Now, I've been through so many ups and downs in my life, and the one thing that I've learned is that there's always a next step to take on our path and our journey in this life. No matter how successful you currently are, there's always a way to be a better version of you. This podcast is all about figuring out that process. Through my own insights and interviews with extraordinary people, I hope you'll be inspired to evolve and become the best version of yourself. Let's jump right in. Before we dive into this episode, I wanted to give a little preamble because, full disclosure, this interview was recorded back in April of 2021. So the COVID 19 pandemic was still. Uh, relatively raging, I want to say. And the subject matter of this interview uh, centers around grief. And so I wanted to make sure to put this out there because people deal with grief in many different ways. And I really believe that everything that Christy has to say is, is really, really beneficial and it was a really great interview. And so I do truly believe that a lot of this is still very much applicable today, but I just wanted to give you some context before we dove straight into the interview. So without further ado, my interview with Christy Hugsdad is right now. Enjoy. Thank you again for tuning in today. Um, You know, there's all sorts of different things that we go through in life. And a lot of the times it brings us things that we do not want. Um, Take the last year and a half or a year, for example, a lot of people have been dealing with uh, an awful amount of grief. And we have someone on the show today who, well... She's a specialist in this. She's a lifelong athlete and fitness professional. She's got her degree in exercise physiology. She's a certified grief recovery specialist with a focus on suicide prevention. And her book, uh, Be You Only Better, is out currently right now. With me on the show today is Christy Hugstad. Christy, thank you so much for being with me today.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh, it's 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 honestly my pleasure. I think that the... The area where you work is is one of those areas that's kind of it's like sticky, you know it's it's a it's a thing that a lot of people want to avoid because grief is is just it's such an overwhelming emotion. And it's such a it, it's a thing that most people really really try to avoid, which I think causes more grief in in that, you know, in that avoidance or the or the attempt to avoid it, right? So um, before we jump into the book, I just want to talk about how you got into this field of work. And, and, and really what made you specialize in the area that you're specializing in? So can we, can we discuss that for a little bit?
1: Well, as you pointed out, initially I was in the fitness industry, right? I had a spinning studio. Uh, my husband and I had a big gym. Uh, we lived near the ocean and life on the outside seemed perfect. But what people didn't realize is that my husband was suffering from depression and eight years ago, he took his life by running in front of a train in Dana Point where we lived. So my life turned upside down. You know, I tried to get him help. In all honesty, I didn't take his the warning signs and risk factors of suicide seriously. I thought that was something that happened to other people. That didn't happen in our little perfect world. And when it did happen, My main goal was I don't want anybody else to go through what I went through to be as unprepared as I was. And I want to share my story and what I did for self-care through my grief journey. So I kind of turned it around into, you know what? I was caught off guard. I learned the hard way. So I can help other people not have to go to the depths of the pain that I did by sharing my story. So that's when I I got into the grief counseling and I started out writing my story and then tips for self-care for anybody going through grief. Then I thought, you know what, my husband was 54 and that's the highest group of people that complete suicide is white middle-aged men. And if we're going to change those statistics, We have to start with our youth. We have to go into the schools and teach the teachers, administrators, the kids, the parents, what are those warning signs and risk factors that I missed? Are they present in your child? Are, you know, the teachers, do you see that in your classroom? And so if we start with our youth, they will grow up with the attitude that there is no stigma to have a mental illness. We all experience mental health issues and it's okay, and it's normal. So that's why now I've kind of turned things around. And instead of working on self-care and grief after the fact, I am on a mission for prevention. And that needs to start with our youth.
0: Wow. I mean, that's a it's amazing you know, what you're doing, but B, I I think that it's so important to be working in that direction to prevent it and to help our youth. And you had mentioned that, I mean, there's a few things that I kind of want to circle back on. I'll start with, I'll start with the warnings and the risk factors, because I think that's the one that jumped out the most to me, which is you said that there's a lot of, a lot of these things that we, we sometimes or often miss in the kids, right? And they grow up and, and at at middle, middle middle-aged, uh, Caucasian males are the ones who succeed at, 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 you know, well, finishing themselves off at that point. What are these warnings and risk factors that we should be looking out for? And and how do we mitigate them?
1: Well, some of them, and I'll give you specific examples of what my husband exhibited. He had this overwhelming sense of hopelessness. He withdrew. He could barely go to work. And when he'd get home, he'd go into just crawl into bed. He didn't participate in anything that he used to think was fun. We never had friends over. He talked about death and suicide constantly Mm -hmm. to the point where I started to tune it out. Um, He had an an attempt and anybody that has a suicide attempt is four times more likely to try again. Hmm. And so he did try again. And that second time he was successful. So just, I think the easiest way to look at it is that person, your loved one, is starting to become somebody you no longer recognize. Their behaviors change. But the difference with our our teens and our youth, the adults usually withdraw from friends and family. They withdraw from everybody. But oftentimes, teens will maintain that connection with their peers and they will withdraw from their family. So don't ever, you know, let your guard down and say, well, Hey, you know, my son or my daughter is still hanging out with his friends. So he must be fine. He must not be depressed because it's a little bit different with our young people. So just what, you know, lack of hygiene is your kid getting up and not caring about what they look like. They're not showering. They don't dress like they used to. Um, they're, they are turning to drugs or alcohol to numb the pain. So there's so many different risk factors and warning signs. But the overall picture is, is your loved one becoming someone you no longer recognize?
0: Mm, yeah, that that makes sense. You know, there's there's a stigma or at least there has been a stigma around depression. You know, um, in the last several years, you've you've definitely seen Lots of a uh, lot of things happen where I mean you know Robin Williams, uh, Chris Cornell, Chester Bennington from Lincoln Park. These are all I mean they fall right into that you know middle aged male white male category you know depressed. And I, I remember when when it was going on being a shocked and just completely you know bowled over by the whole thing because it's just you know you see these people who are so successful at the top of their game and yet we don't realize that internally they're struggling with this 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 the depths of despair and. You know i i remember reading a lot of stuff about people going well oh they're they're cowards they took the you know they they left their families so on and so forth and and i know that that's not true and i'd like you to shed a little bit of light on that because i think that uh it's important for people to understand that this is something that is not about other people it's not about it, it, it's it's they're so their their sense of self worth is so low at that point that they just feel like they're be- that everyone else would be better off if they weren't around or the pain just is too much that they can they can't bear it. So can you shed a little light on that?
1: I remember several people at Bill's memorial saying how selfish was Bill, and I I left this part out. But the train that Bill ran in front of, his father was a passenger on that train. <sighs> His father was 80 years old. He was coming here to visit. Bill knew his dad was on the train. And so the comments one after another was, how could Bill do that to you? How could Bill do that to his father, knowing he was a passenger? But what they don't realize. And like you said, when we hear celebrities that take their own lives, you know, Kate Spade, Anthony Bourdain, for us, it's out of the blue and it's shocking, but we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Most of them it have been struggling for years or battling depression. And it's not, you know, it's not just a random act. It is sometimes, but usually not. So when people say how selfish of Bill, it, it really, really hurts because Bill was in so much emotional pain. We can't imagine that. We know what it's like to be in physical pain and that chronic pain is enough to make you not want to live. But when you have the emotional pain and you can't get out of bed to face the world because it's too painful, all you want to do is end the pain. You actually are in such a low place that you actually think your loved ones and everybody else won't miss you and they'll be better off without you. It has nothing to do with being selfish.
0: Yeah. And I, I just I thought it was very important to kind of bring that up because because it's something that I've 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 read about it. I, you know, to me, I'm, I'm the type of person who when something happens in any capacity, if it's something that strikes me as, oh, wow, I, I would have never expected that. I want to know more about it. I want to understand what maybe led to that situation, how to prevent that in the future, you know, because I I think that that can be definitely people's worst nightmare when they think about a family member or a friend or whatever, and you see them going through something like this and you feel so hopeless. And so what would you say to someone who is dealing with something similar in the sense that it looks like their, their person is, or a family member or friend or whoever is, really suffering from depression, how would you, how, first of all, obviously I know professional help is important, but what would you, what would you say to these people, um, for how they should handle it and how they should approach it?
1: Well, don't do what I did because what I did is I scurried around trying to fix him. I, we went to three different psychiatrists, psychologists, church counselors, social workers. I wanted my old husband back. And I was on a mission to do just that. So I spent all my time trying to find that one professional, that one magic pill that would bring my husband back. In hindsight, when I look back, I wish I had just sat with him, held his hand, hugged him and said, you know what? I know you're struggling. I know you're depressed. And I want you to know, I love you. I am here for you. We are going to work through this together. I needed to reassure him that he was not alone and I was there no matter what. Not to say that would have made a difference, but that's one thing instead of trying to fix them or say inappropriate things like, you know what, if you just get out of the house, if you, you know, this will pass, you're okay. This Think of all the people in the world that are dying of hunger you know don't use judgment just be there listen be supportive and be that heart with ears then gradually work towards together finding a professional to help but the first thing you need to do is let them know you have their back and you are on their side yeah
0: i I think that that's super important because i i would imagine and again thankfully i don't know from experience but i would imagine that part of the the depths of despair is feeling alone and so just just being there for that person is is all of a sudden taking that little that little stumbling block away going well no but I, I do they, they you know they're there for me they they care about me I have that so. Right. It's it's like that one I always say, you know, when when I talk about the law of attraction, when I talk about um, you know, manifesting things in life and it's it's really as simple as just changing your thought pattern, right? And and choosing one good thought. Just choose one thing. I'm grateful I'm breathing right now. Okay, cool. Oh, I also have I also have two legs. Oh, oh wow, good. You know, and and it it just grows from there. So when you give them that one little it's sort of like that little uh the the life ring that you throw overboard, right? they have something to grab onto. And then once they have the thing to grab onto, we can start to pull them into the boat. You know what I mean?
1: And they they feel like they are a burden to you. And Bill said that to me so many times. You know, how do you put up with me? I'm bringing you down, I'm a burden. You would be so much better without me. All of those statements are warning signs. Right. So reassure them that they are not a burden. You love them, you are with them 100% and it's a journey that you're going to go through together. So the reassurance is a big factor.
0: Yeah, I, I think that that's, that's definitely helpful. I mean, I, I always know that just having someone on your team can be so powerful. I wanna talk really quickly about, uh, well, not really quickly, but definitely in depth at this point about your book. It's it's Be You Only Better. Can we can we talk about that? Because I know that this, it all kind of sprung from the same source, right? Where a lot of the times in life we're hit with something and and we can go one of two ways. We either, you know, recede further into our shells or we expand and go, you know what? How can I help others? Which is obviously the path that you've taken. So can we discuss the book real quick?
1: Well, when I was thinking, you know, how can I help our young adults or and everyone else because I put that in the subtitle, not get to that place where they need professional help, not get to that place where they're so depressed that they can't function. And that starts with self-care. But what I found in all the different books that I read, it's, you know, be grateful, uh, get exercise, eat a healthy diet, get lots of sleep. And that's all well and good. But nobody actually explains how to get started. You know, and especially young adults don't say, be grateful. They don't know how to do that. So I made my book a little different and geared it towards young adults, which I think actually is better for everybody. And at the end of every chapter, it's how to get started, right? So if I'm saying, you need to be grateful, here's how to do that. And then I talk about check-ins and being present. And then I check in with them throughout the book so that they understand what I mean by that. And then I also include the science behind it because for me, and I'm a licensed teacher, if somebody tells me, you need to be grateful, My first response is why, (laughs) what is that gonna do for me, right? So at the end of the the actual chapter, there's the science behind it, what it does to change your brain chemistry and then how to get started. So it's a little bit more of the complete package of self-care rather than just giving somebody a bunch of self-care tips. I love that.
0: I, I think that it's I mean, as as someone who's very much empirical myself, like I you know, you can tell me everything, but until I go and experience it for myself, I'm not gonna understand it. And that I feel like that's the vast majority of people. You know, you can empathize, you can you can sort of imagine, but until you're in the actual position, you just don't know. And so I think that it's so valuable to be able to to tell people why and what this is doing to your body, um, Dr. Joe Dispenza talks about. Uh, I'm sure you smiled as I said his name. So you know he's he's someone who talks about the scientific aspect of meditation and what happens physiologically and neurologically in the body as you meditate, as you you know bring in these good positive thoughts and start visualizing. And I found that you know for the people who are very um, I want to say anti spiritual or anti you know the what people might call woo-woo mumbo jumbo nonsense, you know, which by the way, it's all energy. So, you know, you can call it whatever you want, but I find that that's a really good way in for people who don't, who, who think more scientifically as opposed to more emotionally. Right. So, uh, when we talk about gratitude, what would, why, why do you say it's positive uh, or, or good for you to, to live in gratitude?
1: Well, it's, it's, it changes your brain chemistry. That's what self-care is all about. All of these self-care tips combine, actually change your brain chemistry, raise different neural chemicals in your brain to make you a happier, more positive person. That's what we all want. And when you realize you can do that yourself by just changing your thinking, it's really inspiring. So when you raise The serotonin or the dopamine levels and the endorphins in your brain, you know, when you go exercise, right, you go for a run or a bike ride, you don't really feel like going, but when you come back, you say to yourself, I'm so glad I did that. I feel so much better. There's a reason for that. It altered your brain chemistry. So for those black and white readers out there that want the facts and they don't want the, you know, spiritual aspect of it, I think the most important piece of information that gets people motivated is, hey, you'll change your brain and you will be a happier person. And that's the goal that we all want.
0: I agree. And I think that we'll take it a step further because I, I think a lot of people were, would possibly go, okay, great, so I changed my brain chemistry, but it doesn't really change my life. And I, I I disagree with that. I think it does change your life. And I, I think you would probably be on my on my side on here or on this point, I should say. Uh, and and you would agree that it does change your life. And can we can we touch on that a little bit? Because why does
1: happiness change your life? It changes your life completely because the energy that you're putting out is positive and you are attracting good things in return. Everything in life is about your thought patterns and the energy that you're putting out to other people. And in return, you are going to get only positive results. So, you know, when you're working out and you feel good, you're more apt to pick up the phone and call your parents and you make their them happy. They invite you over. It's changing everybody's attitude. So it's got to start within you. And it's got to start with the way you think. And the energy that you put out there.
0: Yeah, I, I I definitely could not agree more. It's it's one of those things where. I I've I've spoken to a lot of people about this very topic and and a lot of the questions I get in return are, are you know exactly like well but so okay so I'm happy but that's not going to change my life and I love that you just touched on the fact that yeah it does because everything is energy scientifically that's proven I've said it a million times on the show there is no difference between the table and the air uh, as far as the, the the molecules that are going on it's just it's just the vibration of the frequency or the frequency and vibration of the molecules and the comp- position and that's it but it's all the same stuff it's made of the same stuff so when you think of it from that perspective and knowing how energy works where like attracts of like kind right so if you're in a good space and you're and and the practical application is simply this if you're happy like you said you're you're willing to go and pick up the phone and call your parents or you're willing to maybe smile at that stranger as you're passing them on the street who then all of a sudden goes, wait, don't I know you from some, no. Oh, and then you end up with this new friend for no reason that all of a sudden ends up booking you a new job for whatever reason and your whole life goes off in a totally different direction. And so I just, I wanna say for my listeners out there, you know, obviously you've been listening for a while, but the fact of the matter is is that if you, if you set your intention, if you, if you try to always look at the positive side of things, if you try to do things that change your brain chemistry to put you in a positive perspective, you, you're gonna create changes that ripple out that you won't even know about for possibly a very long time and things that are gonna happen immediately. But the fact of the matter is is that this is such important work. So I just wanted to touch on that. And I, I, just, I think it's wonderful that, you, that, that this is the direction that you're taking with everything.
1: Well, people don't realize that they can change how they think. When you wake up in the morning, I don't bounce out of bed. I'm usually not in a great mood, but I do not have to stay there. So if you practice gratitude and think of three things, the minute you wake up that you are grateful for, you are changing your whole attitude and outlook for the day. So you have the ability and the power to change the energy and set the intention for your day. It's up to you. It's so
0: true. And Christy, when you when you speak to uh, groups of people, can we touch on some of the things that you you discuss and how you like little tools? I mean, I know we've we've touched on you know gratitude. We've touched on you know, getting active and going out for that run. What are a couple of other little tips that we can give um, the listeners today that would help them kind of maybe turn things around when they're feeling sort of in the doldrums and sort of down? Because I feel like if we can, if we can catch ourselves as we're on the downslope and then pull it back up, as opposed to allowing that downslope to get down to the bottom of the hill,
1: it's a lot harder to get up from the bottom than it is from midway, right? Well, I think one of the most important things is getting adequate sleep. I don't know about you, but if I have a bad night's sleep, my next day is not productive. And that's just one one night. And so in my book, I talk a lot about what happens after one night's missleep, two and three. And you can actually go from a point where, you know, the, those days where you, you can't find your keys and, you know, they're, they're in your hand or the, when you're not sleeping, you're not you you lose sense of awareness around you, and that's when you get in those fender benders and whatever. You don't necessarily track it back to lack of sleep, but after uh, two days of two nights of missleep, you actually have micro sleeps. Where have you ever pulled into a parking space and you don't even know how you got there? You don't remember, <laughs> right? And your brain is actually falling asleep for a few seconds, and you're not even aware of what's going on. And then eventually, you can start to hallucinate. So when you are not getting adequate sleep and setting yourself up for that sleep, your life is gonna be so compromised. For kids in school, you know they're gonna put their head down on their desk, and they're not gonna pay attention. If they're spending three or four hours on Zoom, they're gonna get nothing out of it because they can't focus. So it affects every area of your life. So to me, that's probably the number one place to start. And in my book, I discuss what to do, you know, to set your room up for a good night's sleep.
0: Oh, I love that. I think it's, I think sleep is so important and I know that it varies for different people. So, you know, when, when you're listening right now, just, Understand that whatever whatever adequate sleep means for you, uh, just make sure to get that. We all know what we function with, and the truth is, is that we could all probably do with about an hour or two more. <laughs> um, just because yeah. I think a lot of people are definitely sleep deprived. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't discuss the big elephant in the room, which is you know this last you know fourteen months the the pandemic that we're, we're in the midst of still or sort of starting to see a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, you know there's been. A lot of issues that people have been dealing with as far as uh, physical goes, you know, people are losing hair, people are, are super stressed out, people are, you know, there's a lot of stuff that people are dealing with. Can we talk about this from a grief perspective? Because I do think that we are dealing with a global um, sort of underlying grief slash anxiety slash stress Uh, especially heavy in those who were really affected uh, work-wise and, you know, obviously family-wise, people have lost people. Can we talk about that real quick? Because, um, and and really specifically what I want to talk about is is what you think about the grief of the situation because I don't think a lot of people talk about it. I, I think that a lot of people are just trying to, you know, motor on and push through and not allow themselves to feel the grief, which I think is important to understand and go, oh, wow, you know, yeah this happened i I was looking at photos from like the year before when things were perfect and i burst into tears because and i didn't realize that it was this underlying level of grief of of where we were you've been in survival mode for so long and you can only be in survival mode for for so long so one i want to touch on that and why it's important to feel the grief and two uh just a couple tips on how we find our way out of it as we move
1: forward well first and foremost You have to really know what grief is, because I'm finding that people associate grief with death. Mm. So when you are grieving losses other than death, like loss of security, loss of connection with family and friends, loss of routine, people think, well, nobody died. So why why do I feel this way? And they don't feel like they can validate that as grief because they're comparing it to other people that have actually had loved ones die. So first and foremost, there are over 40 different kinds of losses. It is not just about death. So if you are feeling isolated and grieving that loss of connection, you are not alone and it is perfectly normal. So first and foremost, understand that what you are feeling is valid and it's normal and it needs to be processed. Also, realize that grief is a journey. It's not a destination. You are not going to just figure this out in one day. Once you give yourself permission to go through the process and start to understand it and go through it, you can't go around it. You've got to go through it because it will sit and wait for you. Trust me. Give yourself permission to feel it. Cry, get angry. Whatever is coming up, let it come up and feel it. You're going to start to feel better. But the most important thing I can say is understand that this is going to take some time. This was unexpected. You didn't ask for this. And give yourself permission to feel it and to walk through it at your own pace. Because your grief is as unique as your own thumbprint. And don't let anybody else compare their grief to yours i hear so often well what you don't have it that bad nobody died we're all isolated we're all grieving that loss of connection but you know what we don't all have the same coping skills i'm more introverted it didn't impact me that much it devastates others mm-hmm. so don't compare yourself to other people your grief and your grief journey is unique to only you
0: yeah i i think that that's that's I mean, you brought up a few really amazing points, and one I think is the the idea that your feelings are valid. I think a lot of people, um, you know, dismiss the feelings. They they feel like they shouldn't be having the feelings, and 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 I think one of the first steps towards accepting the situation, because I think acceptance is ultimately where we need to be because if you're resisting it you're you're causing strife within yourself and this is something that Eckhart Tolle talks about as far as the present moment the present moment is here to teach us what's supposed it's the only thing that's real right so if you're in this moment and there's things that we don't wish to be experiencing well okay cool but we have to accept it we have to understand that there's a there's a way for us to learn and grow from here in it and so as soon as you have that feeling of okay this is what it is i may not like it i may be upset about it i'm sad i'm i'm angry i'm whatever I accept all of this. It's okay. As soon as you do that, you 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 discharge the energy from it. That negative charge of energy, it it gets dismissed because you're going okay. Well, it is what it is. Now let's let's do the best we can moving forward. And so I think that that's so so important that you touched on that. And I, I think that it's really interesting that you brought up that you know we didn't ask for this, right? I think that anything that we grieve over, we we didn't ask for it. Nobody asked for it, right? So we're always kind of in that place where I think it's important for us to understand like, hey, look, no, we didn't ask for it, but it's here, right?
1: Yeah, and I think one of the biggest things that we're all grieving is the unknown, the uncertainty. You know, my business was closed for a couple months and I I remember laying in bed thinking, what am I going to do? You know, a lot of us experienced that, right? And it was the fear of the unknown and that security of your future. And eventually, I had to reach a point where I thought, well, what I can do right now in the present moment is I can start taking care of myself. I'm going to go outside, I'm going to get some fresh air, some sun, and then I'm going to deal with it and walk down that path at my own pace. But for now, in the present moment, this is what I can do to make myself feel better.
0: Yeah, I think that's I think that's not only not only powerful, but so important for people to understand that whenever you find yourself in a situation that you don't want to be in, instead of focusing on the things that you're not excited about or the things that are, you know, holding you back or or the challenges, focus on what you do have control over and, and take action with that. And sometimes that action means, you know what? I'm going to take a nap right now, like, and that's okay. Like whatever it is, that's going to help you come out of it. At the end of the, at the end of whatever activity is that you're about to do, making you feel a little bit better. It's again, reaching for that just better feeling. Cause you're not going to go from despondent to ecstatic in one fell swoop. There's a whole bunch of stages that you have to cross through before you can go, you know, from one extreme to the
1: other. Right. So always reach for that next level up. Right. Right. And I also think it's important for people to realize when you're not in the best place. When you're having that really bad day, give yourself permission to do the minimum. Mm-hmm. There are days when I need to make some phone calls to insurance companies or just some calls that to, you know, get my taxes done or whatever. And there are days where I think, you know what? I'm not up for that today. I'm not up for that right now. I'm going to give my permission, myself permission to just do my laundry, get some exercise, and do the minimum, and that's okay. You don't have to be super productive and get everything done on your list every single day. So I also think people need to realize, be kind to yourself. Treat yourself like your own best friend. And, you know, to, and take care of yourself, put yourself first before you can help other people.
0: Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think too many people, um, we, we treat ourselves so much worse than we treat everybody else. We're so hard on ourselves and we we just allow people to, you know, we allow them the leeway, but we don't allow ourselves the same thing, which is crazy to me.
1: It is, and if you don't get the things done that you planned on, you shouldn't be so hard on yourself. It's okay you can do it tomorrow or the next day or within the week because when you continually disappoint yourself because you don't feel like you're accomplishing what you should that leads to low mood and that's exactly what we're trying to avoid right now
0: yes i love that so now your book can be found on amazon it can be found uh, pretty much where anywhere books are sold right yes and can you tell can you tell everyone where they
1: can find you the best place to find me and all my blogs and information, my other books is on my website at thegriefgirl.com.
0: Amazing, and then uh, before I let you go, I do have to ask you one question um, that I like to ask all of my my guests. Um, and And this is really, we've touched on so many different things here, but if there was one thing, one bit of advice that you would give to my listeners as far as how they could help themselves become the best version of themselves, just one point that you'd be like, you know what, do this what would that be
1: i would tell your listeners to put yourself first hmm. just like we talked about earlier suicide is that a selfish act no is putting yourself first a selfish act no you have to put your own oxygen mask on first before you can be of benefit or help to other people self-care is not selfish it's necessary
0: Oh, I love that. And I so, so, so agree because you cannot give from an empty cup, right? Yes, exactly. Let your cup run over and then and then give the excess. Thank you, Christy. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show today. Again, uh, I will post all of her information in the show notes below. Um, Christy, thank you.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Enhanced Living. If you enjoyed what you heard today, share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, kindly subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, feel free to reach me directly at enhancedliving.net. Have a great day.